Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Total Recall podcast, a podcast that is designed for startups, scale-ups, anybody in tech that has an interest in learning and educating themselves in all aspects of the startup community. Um, so on this episode, we welcome Ash Ward, somebody that I've known for a number of years. Um, we'll do a brief introduction shortly, Ash, but it's good to see you. Good morning. Morning. It's nice to see you as well, Will. It's been a long time in planning this one, mate, so I'm glad to finally get hold of you and, and get you on the mic for you know, 30, 35 minutes. So much appreciated indeed. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, it has just been one of those things to try and get organized, but it's good it's finally happening. Yeah, well, obviously you're a busy man, you know, uh, changing the, the startup world as you have done for some time. And I think like, just to kind of briefly introduce um, you, um, obviously you and I started talking some time ago when you were involved in a startup called Twistlock, um, who were acquired for plus $400 million by Palo Alto, which is now Prisma Cloud. Um, so instead of me stealing your thunder, perhaps just a brief introduction, Ash, to, um, to people listening as to who you are and, and kind of, you know, why um, you're here. Sure. So, I mean, I was, uh, I was always in operations and enterprises, so I started out life as a, as a Unix admin. Uh, so I got to say no to everyone back in the back in the bad old days when we had big Solaris systems and things like that. Um, but I was a Unix admin for a utilities company up here in Scotland and then uh, moved through various roles and various enterprises, including some financial services and infrastructure architecture. I got bit by the, the nascent DevOps bug, as it was back back then, um, and then really fell in love with actually providing, I know it sounds a bit silly, but actually providing a benefit, direct benefit to the business, as opposed to running my big servers that were maybe three steps behind what the business were doing. And that's what led me into um, financial services, into breaking down monolithic applications and moving into uh, moving them into public cloud. I needed some security tooling for the containerized microservices world I was building out. And uh, I found a stealth company uh, Twistlock, as they turned out, just as they came out of stealth, and worked with them, and I went, "Wow, this is how I would do security if if I if I could," and uh, and so then, yeah, as you as you mentioned, I, uh, I I saw they were hiring for someone in Europe. They needed their first uh, technical person in place, and I uh, and I you know did my CV and did, uh, did an email to the CTO uh, John Morello, dear sir or madam, please find attached, blah 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 blah, the whole thing, yeah. uh, and he pinged me back. He went, "Oh, hey Ash, it's nice to nice to hear from you." Yeah. Do you want to have a chat? And I had a chat with him, and the next thing I know, he was offering me a job. So yeah, that was then me into into Twistlock as the first 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 person in the media. Then we had some sales that was done through um, a company called um, Newaware, who were, um, at that point were amazing. I look and see, great guys. Um, and I was then they were they were doing handling some of the sales function, and I came in as that techie, that technical resource. So being able to go into customer meetings and go. I know the pain points you're going through. I've done yeah. it. Here's here's my experience and that kind of thing. So that's that's a, a very rough overview of me up to up to Twistlock. So you you kind of went from um, I suppose client um, onto the other side of the fence to then uh, back for the other team effectively and and be the person uh, pitching to the uh, to the client. Um, what would what advice would you give to people? Because there's a typically I've, I mean I've been doing startup recruitment for many years. Um, and a lot of time that people bring these kinds of role in, they, they typically push back and say, well, that's a big company person. That's somebody who's used to working in big teams on, you know, on the wrong side of the fence, as, as the phrase is going. What advice would you give to somebody that's moving from, a, you know, in your case, uh, you know, Sky UK or some of the, the larger 
you know, uh, blue chip companies that you work for into that stealth environment, what's the biggest like, holy shit moment that kind of, uh, you know, that struck you? So one of the things I and I hadn't recognized it until actually I made the jump the other way again. So or rather, sorry, into into an enterprise environment. You forget just how many things there are, depending on the size of the start startup, of course, the number of support things that are in place for people. And I don't just mean support as in uh, HR, making sure that you're okay and that that kind of thing. But I mean silly things like, oh, I I, I need I need someone to help me organize doing a meetup. Okay, great. Well, in a startup, typically that that's going to be you, and you know you're going to wear many different hats. And so I found it exhilarating coming into the environment where it was like, no, you can do that. You know, yeah, that's fine. You definitely collaborate with us. But you know, when I started at Twistlock, um, I was well, I was only one in EMEA, but that also meant that the closest person I had to to chat to from a technical side of things or from a management side of things were in uh, were in America. So I, I had that time lag where you know I had to had to just say, right, well, this is the right thing to do. I've worked it out. I can take it on the chin if it's the wrong thing to do and mm -hmm. and, and progress with that. So I think I've seen some people who've gone into startups who go, um, oh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I, I, I like this. I'm not sure that I can I can deal with that. And what I would say is that I, I think during, um, if it was a candidate, I would say to them, you know, have a think about what you like about your role at the moment. And if you're going into pre-sales as a technical person and you go, I love helping people, so I'm, I'm happy in front of customers. Um, I, I love getting into the puzzles that the customer has and also being able to say, um, that's not how I would do it, but okay, that's how you are doing it. So let's investigate. So if you say, okay, I'm happy with that, then the next thing I would say to somebody is to work out, are you happy standing on your own two feet and saying, well, I'll I'll need to to you know if something's not getting done I'll need to I'll need to step up and do it. Yeah. So I think and that, those are sometimes the bits that, that people fall down on. And what do you think it, it is from like a you know from an emotional and cultural perspective more more perhaps than the actual day to day? Well, I've got to do this myself. Um, what did you find the most challenging about being in uh, what at that time was a, a very highly regarded startup that was coming out of the you know the, the Israeli tech community? With a lot of funding behind it a lot of you know hype around that technology at that time what does it feel like to work in that kind of an organization where the pressure from the vcs is, is i can imagine quite intense at times it's it's exciting uh, if you if you like if you like that type of thing i mean for for me the biggest mistake i made um was not feeding back early enough when things were just getting too much so hmm. we had um i mean the, the for covering EMEA, we had a lot of a lot of people interested in technology. We had a lot of people wanting to try it out. We had a lot of people with that particular technology with Twistlock when we were focusing on container security. The the whole containerization piece was very very early on as well. So a lot of the times when we were going into or I was going into pre sales environments and trying to help someone with securing their containerized environments, a large chunk of it was also trying to help someone understand how to manage their containerized environment because it's different from from VMs and different from um different from physical tin. So I found that the the technical side of the pre-sales activities sometimes were quite involved and and generally were either with someone who needed their hands held a little bit to help them on with the technology and then also securing it with the, with the product um or it would be people who were so focused into the the tech it was they were living that that it was then trying to navigate how they how they'd set stuff up. So I found that um, we were 
where you would think that okay, if you do a if you do it in a sales cycle, if you're going to from a technical point of view, not yeah. from a salesman point of view, uh, if you're going to come along and do an initial demo, understand through questioning what their environment is, they're going to go into a proof of concept. You're then helping with that proof of concept, and then any any niggly details at the other end. I mean, I, I, it was a different it was a different way of doing things because I know for one of our large uh, financial services customers. We ended up getting written into the the contract that I was attending a day a month on site <laughs> to help them with stuff. You signed up. Yeah, that's right because they they, they recognised that someone who'd done it before and and, and knew the technology and, and and that was value. The downside of that is instead of it being demo for an hour, a little bit of prep work, proof of concept for a little mm. bit of time over two weeks, and then whatever the sale happens, it was a lot more intense than that. So I found all of a sudden that I was like, oh yeah, that's that that. That customer in Germany, I need to deal with them. I need to deal with this. So I think the 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 second part is to say to people, okay, you're doing, you're you're in, you're having a good time, you're doing all of the the work that is expected, and any additional that you can find because you're you're really enjoying being in part of the startup. The other thing is to to feedback. Okay, well, you know, the, these are these are the limits that I'm hitting. I, I can't I can't keep working at that at that pace anymore. Mm. And I think there's a lot of um, you know. That startups are startups on the one hand are really great because they can they can change plans very quickly and they, they if they're well funded they can usually they can say oh well, we're going to do this now but they also as you've mentioned they've also got to show this is the the way the business is going this is the exit that we intend to go for here's how we're going to get there here's our runway so especially when markets get a little bit tighter there's not always the ability to go oh we we need another se great let's hire one instead it's Okay, we, we you know we've committed to keeping headcount at this level until mm. this time. So it it's it changes slightly depending on the startup, depending on the the market, how that looks. But uh, you know, one of the great things about working in startups flexibility. There's so much that people are you know everyone everyone's pulling in the same direction. It's not like a yeah. um it's not not like a large enterprise where I've worked many many times where yes everybody wants to see the business succeed. But they've got different interpretations of what that means, and there's no benevolent dictator to cut through and, and make the decision, right? So, uh, I, and you know, in in my career, um, I think you know, speaking to the business contacts I've had, then I think we need to um, embrace change and be able to move rapidly and bring business um, d- development straight to production as fast as possible. Mm. Yes, that's what we want to do. CISO is then going to say, well. We, we've got to secure the environment because we're a very large, heavily regulated organization. So actually what the business wants us to do is have stability and, and audit passing and, and all this kind of stuff. And that's also true as much as depending on which hat you've got on, whether you like it or not, it, it's also true. And then there'll be some, the, op, the ops guy doesn't want anything to change because it's just a, a call out for him at four in the morning or, or her. Um, you know, But that doesn't mean that they're wrong. They just, they all, they all do this. In a startup, though, because instead of it being, oh, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, this team over here, here's their distribution list, email them or or raise a ticket and someone will get back to you. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's people with the same um, uh, responsibilities, but it's it's a name. So it's like, oh, you, you, well, you need to speak to, to Julie about that. Or you yeah. speak, and so you can reach consensus a lot faster. So on the one hand, getting right back to the question, I realize I've gone off on one. But on the one hand, you know, what's great, startups can move fast and change and make decisions fast. And so you might think they can do the same thing from a hiring point of view. Mm-hmm. Enterprises are much slower and, and don't make those that as fast. 
Um, but they've they've typically actually, if they advertise headcount, they usually can they can see that through this. I know that there's a lot that recently have gone into hiring freezes, but usually they, they, that takes a lot longer for that to happen. Uh, so people sometimes don't realize the same struggles exist in the startup world where they, they may have committed to a certain number of headcount. In which case, if you're in that role and you're struggling or, or you know, the, the pressure's up, you do need to talk to try and to try and work out what to do. And how do how do you think? Because um, obviously you're you're referencing working with large financial institutions or regulated industries. As a starter, um, I can imagine one of the challenges that you encounter and everybody in the startup face is is gaining credibility and gaining the trust of such a you know a large regulated uh, customer that. A, you're going to still be a company in 12, 18 months, 24 months, because what they, they obviously don't want to then have to rip and replace, you know, in that period of time uh, thereafter because of the disruption to customers. How do you go about articulating uh, to the, you know, whatever customer you want to, you know, reference um, that, look, we are a legit company. We are here long term. We are, got, you, I suppose you almost have to sell the, the big dream above and beyond the technology to that, customer as well am i wrong you know you're, you're absolutely right and in fact anybody listening who's ever had a pitch from a uh, from a startup organization will know that it always starts off with we are this company we were founded this time and that's how serious we are the next slide will be we've got lots of funding so you could try to tell people that you're going to be around for a little while and then usually the third slide will be look at all these big name customers we have and because it is you're right it's about establishing credibility and that um genuinely is something i've always felt is a key part of of any role that i've been in is is to to try and portray that you know this is this is the the reason why you know i've been in enterprises my career i can understand why this particular startup would work in an enterprise environment and and to bring some credibility to to that role and certainly i, I would say that from a um with twistlock that was interestingly around the more about the technology and the company to some extent but it was it was to go no no um this isn't someone hasn't just like today i suppose you might say oh this is ai security someone's just jumped on a hype that's there and used some buzzwords so i felt that in twistlock my main credibility building role was to go no no technology works here let me show you how how it works here's how you can test it yourself rather than the company i don't feel there was so much um so much pressure on that maybe because it was an early early startup but then as 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 startups grow i think there is uh, and moving into sort of scale up territory I, I think there is something there to then say you need someone who's going to act at that director level or a, a senior level to be who and who has also done that role as well to bring that credibility and to go yeah, yeah we're we're not just we're not just technology and understand technology inside and out but actually we also understand how uh, organizations operate so how do how decisions are made and why you know, uh, we, we've probably all been there. Certainly, I in my career, I saw a lot when I was a, t a techie on the on the cold face, as it were, um, going, why on earth would someone make that decision for budgets or for whatever? Because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And and sometimes you've just got to extract you, be extracted, or work in that position. So I was fortunate enough to be the group CTO for for a distributor, and being in that role, it was a lot more, you know, in charge of IT for the whole globe for the organisation. And that's when you are making those decisions to go, yeah, this doesn't make any sense this quarter or next quarter, 
but actually this is building the foundations for next year or what I'm seeing coming down through the board or from the board through, uh, you know, the senior leadership team, that this is the direction we're taking. And whilst I can't tell everybody this is what we're going to do because it's all hush hush and, and hey, it might change. I need to lay the foundations to be able to support that change in business direction. So those types of things where if I was to be coming in and being an SE or a, a, a sales engineer or you know solution architect, whatever, um, I would be more focused on here's the technology, here's how the technology works, and by the way, we're a real company that's a that's you know we've we've got the money, we've got the runway, we're you know and bringing that credibility in. I think at a certain stage you then shift to having to have someone who can say we're not just here for the long term, we're not just here, you know we've kind of shown that now we're we're slightly big enough to say that we've and we're back enough and have enough partnerships to mm. show that we're a real company. Um, I think there's then that credibility of you know, the product will work in an enterprise environment for how you want to operate uh, as, as opposed to, yeah, the techies are happy. You know, this, needs to be, this needs to be something for everyone. And I suppose that kind of leads quite nicely onto um, where you've transitioned to now because um, as we said earlier in the call, you and I have known each other for some time now and I've, I've seen you go through the group CTO role from the technical director role um, at Prisma Cloud um, to now uh, a role at what I would not consider a starter, uh, perhaps more of a, of a scaler um, where, you know, I saw Orca come to market and the funding that they raised and, and kind of get to a level. Um, whereas now you've joined as a, um, a principal tech evangelist office of the CTO type schmoozer. Um, so what's now. the differences? What's the nuances here um, between Twistlock startup, you know, just out of stealth. Um, whoa, this is, this is a cool tech. This is new, new kid on the block. Um, whereas Orca Security now, I can imagine it's a different vibe. It's a different conversation you're having with people because the tech is established in the market. People know it, are aware of it. They're also aware of their competitors. Um, what's the kind of the narrative now that that obviously you're taking into a scale-up such as Orca Security? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the it's interesting. Any time previously before joining, so when I, when I was in that, in that group CTO role, Actually, one of the subsidiaries of Exclusive Networks were looking into bringing Orca in um, to in order to do some distribution or, or or not or sales or resales or they were just getting it for themselves. I can't remember. I'm not trying to. It's not that I'm trying to hide any business dealings. It was just I, I can't remember what was. It might have been just getting into used as a security tool. But the, at the time, it was all um, the same thing that I heard quite a lot previously was around the side scanning technology and it's not. There's no agents and agentless. And, and that was, if we come back to our story around, you know, as a, as a startup, that's, you're showing, proving the technology, you're showing that the technology is, is a game changer. And interestingly, now skip forward a year or so, and actually the conversations I hear are less around how that technically happens because people have accepted that it works. So just exactly as you said, not only, you know, companies moving into or moved into a scale up model, but also it's changed places a little bit because it's now no longer having to go no, it does work. Here's how it works. Here's the technical details. And instead now going, well, kind of everybody accepts that it works because this, this, is, the, this is the way that you do that, that cloud native application protection platform. Uh, if I'm going to use my evangelism and try and get, try and get Gartner phrases in there. Um, people accept that that's how it works. So now it's about going, yeah, and, and this isn't something that's just going to be, um, well, one the thing I hate is when things are bought as shelfware. That is something I've always struggled with throughout my career so that's one of the one of the reasons 
or one of the things I really want to do in this role is to not just get people um, interested in Orca, but actually people who are getting it to, to use it and love it. So for me, it's it's not a, just a, a pre-sales activity. This is a, this is about saying no. This this is this is a huge uh, chance for everybody. It's a great uh, great. It's a game changer as far as I can see, and, and very very easy. So how do we how do we democratize that access? How do we get people using it? How do I evangelize about that and you know spread mm. that good news as it were? But that that's where at this stage in organization lifestyle, I, I would say that you do need somebody in that in that role, either whether it's um, developer relations, if you're more hitting for, you know that uh, pure development um, community, uh, whether it's a field CTO, if you're looking at things, probably if you're less uh, security operate minded, you might have the, that field CTO role. Um, but the field CTO role and 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 the De the DevRel field CTO evangelist roles they, they, they cross over in a lot of lot of aspects. I think the um, the main thing though, as we've said a few times, is you're now you are now establishing the credibility of of the the pro process. How do you, you know if you think if it's people, process, and, and technology, then we kind of you've proven the technology at the at the startup level. And at scale up now, you're probably more looking at that. This is how this can be put into a large organization. This is how an enterprise can use it. It's always been enterprise product, but mm. here's an understanding of how enterprises work and how that fits in. So there's there's that aspect of the changing the story to be of credibility around there. And I think the other reason why I'm lucky enough to to have my role is that there's there's times where you want someone who's very technical who's also got that bit of a bridge between the, the business and, and technology, which which I, I hope, I like to think I have, and I certainly I'm trying to fashion my career as that. Um, but it, but even, you know, even if it's not me, even if it's someone else, it's someone who has that should be lifted out from pure coalface work um, to also kind of, you still need to be very productive and you still need to maintain your being technical, but actually you're, you're dealing a lot more with the people in the process. Understand the technology, but you, how to... How to uh, put that in? So that's uh, at this stage in an organization's life cycle. Uh, life cycle, I would say that's needed, and maybe that's where then what would be the next stage? Well, I mean, in Palo Alto, when I was the technical director of the office of the CTO, that's probably that that next stage when it's a, a bigger company and you have this. And, and at that point, though, you really are getting less and less technical because you're you're now. You're now doing that schmoozing an awful lot more. It's more about the golf course than it is about the, <laughs> uh, the, the technology, and and so it's about finding that balance. So if there's somebody, if you're recruiting for that role or you're helping get somebody into that role, then the advice I would have for for that person is if it's a if it's a startup, it's unlikely to have that that the, that my role would exist. It would be more like an SE role that mm. that also did a lot of evangelizing. That's super. You're you techie, techie, techie. Get get that. Be customer facing technology at a scale up then i would say it's now more of a balance it's now someone who uh, not only is technical understands the reasons why the technology makes sense in a business environment i think that would be the next yeah. part and then if it was a, if it was a bigger organization and uh, then the role would be slightly different i think that's where you, you would have those technical directors or field CISOs, and they wouldn't, wouldn't even necessarily be called field ones and then i would say that's a lot more perhaps about the Rolodex and who, who you know and what you know and, and establishing that people side of things a lot more than um, the technology. Although you'd say yeah. obviously technology. So you've obviously now worked, I would say, across the spectrum of companies, um, startup, 
you know, um, the blue chip companies, scale-ups, Palo Alto, obviously a large organization. What would you say um, out of your experiences um, was the most demanding um, out of all of those? Um, you know, you can, it can be from a lifestyle perspective, from a work-life balance perspective, from a mental exhaustion perspective. What do you think was the most demanding and tasking of, of the demographics? It, they've, they've all had different different challenges in different ways. In uh, in Twistlock, when I first joined Twistlock, and I told John Morello this story many times, after three months, I was really feeling that imposter syndrome was 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 really really kicking in. Um, and, and I told him later, I said I, I dreaded. I thought he was going to sack me any any minute. Um, and, and it was only through talking that they got through that. The um, then you know, skipping skipping forward, uh, the changeover from being acquired with Palo Alto Networks. Palo Alto Networks is a lovely company. I mean, they, they, you know, I suppose technically a competitor of ours now, but I, I'm not going to, you know, the, the people there who work there who I still like. You know, it's not it's not a personal thing there. Um, Palo Alto was it was a great company. I found it very challenging. It was suddenly such a big company with so many different demands um, that you know, one I was like, all right, I've got a great idea. We'll do this. I oh, know that's this other team that do that, right? Okay, well, we'll, we'll do this. I oh, yeah, no, no, no. Jim does that. He's already tried it. Well, you know what can we do? So that had its own challenges, and then you know, enterprises before were were kind of um, felt sometimes like a number. So that had its own challenges, and then when I was a group CTO, the, I found the it was very it was a great role. I'm really proud of everything that that I achieved in in those uh, the, the, in that time. The, the looking after the people suddenly you know you're you're a lot more responsible for what was it 30 or 40 people and and that that was challenging as well because you want to try and do the the right thing for them at the same time you can't just give everybody a raise you know so you've got its own challenges there um so would there was there one that was the most challenging in different ways some some technical some uh process some um some personal i mean how how do you how do you you know i've worked from home for the past Gosh, it must be, oh gosh, eight years, something like that. So pre-pandemic, anyway. Um, but even then, I've, I've, I've still every so often in a new organisation go, oh, it would be nice to have those water cooler conversations, or you know, be in an office to to make those personal um contacts and and get yeah. those. So it's all challenging in its in its own way. The uh, at the tail end of Twistlock, it was challenging because I was travelling. I don't know, 90% of the time, which I, yeah. I loved, but it, it was, you know, then a bit of a challenge because I was using up all my favours for the school run and things like that. So <laughs> um, they all have their own, I'd say they all have their own different challenges. Uh, if there was any advice I would give anyone, it's to to try and talk as much as possible with the, those trusted resources. And I know that there's been times, well, as you know, that if things have been tough, it's like, hey, well, give, you know, this is, uh, I'm struggling here, buddy. And, and you know you you've got a, the experience of that. In fact, it's a wonderful book that we should probably plug. But it, there's you know there's some real. What I'd say is, come right back to it and stop wittering on. There, there's people there, even if you don't think that they are, who do want to listen and do understand. Yeah. And and certainly, I would say you know anyone can ping me on LinkedIn, and and I'll I'll always listen to someone if they if they need to get something off the something off their chest. Um, yeah. But yeah, think think of your support network. I guess then is what I'm what I'm trying to say. I think it's a it's a great point to kind of close on in honesty and, and from my perspective this year um you know i've been in two startups myself that i've started one funded this one bootstrapped um 
I think this year has been the most challenging of my career and probably a lot of people's careers in terms of how the climate has been, the economy around tech. Um, and I've gone from having conversations with clients of mine who are CTOs, CEOs, founders, to talking about mental health, to, you know, to having discussions where I'm giving guidance and I'm asking for guidance on mental health and how to navigate this year. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, speaking now, bloke to bloke, it's not something that's very common to us to reach out and say, I'm struggling, you know, yeah. and I've, I've, I've formed new friendships with people now who have just said to me, I'm having anxiety in the middle of the night, I'm struggling to sleep. And these are people that run multi, multi-million pound organizations, but they're just humans. Um, and I think to be able to um, have the, uh, I suppose, the courage to reach out to somebody and say, I'm, I'm struggling here, um, is a real, um, it's something that we should promote more. Um, and it's something that, as you know, I'm I'm very passionate about. So if anybody listening to this is in a startup, they're in a scale up and they are feeling the burn that this year has put on a, a lot of people, you know, to know that they've got people like you to reach out to who have been through all of these different experiences. You know, you've got some great experiences that you can lean on how you've navigated your own mental health through these periods. Um, and likewise, you know, anybody's always welcome to reach out to, to me to talk about these things because the startup... Um, ecosystem let's call it the ecosystem wherever you sit in that as you well know is extremely challenging mentally at times and um, it's extremely demanding all the time especially if you have a family at home like you say you know the school runs sometimes you have to forego your duties at home um to put the startup first which you know a lot of people will disagree with but if you're getting into a startup unfortunately there are certain things that you have to be willing to do and to sacrifice and that comes at a price and sometimes it can be your, you know, your mental well-being. Um, so what I would do is I'll put a link um, to your uh, LinkedIn profile uh, so that people can reach out to you, can connect with you if they want to learn more a bit about what you're doing with Orca. And, um, you know, if there's some CISOs listening who, you know, are interested in, um, you know, learning from you because you've got some great experiences, um, I'll put the link in there on how they can they, they can connect with you. Um, but I think it's been it's been great to talk. I, I could have spoke to you for another two or three hours quite comfortably. I think I feel like we've only just scratched the surface. Um, I think what we'll perhaps do is, is think about um, doing this again in a few months' time, and we'll, we'll concentrate on the scale-up element. I know we've talked heavily now about the startup element and what it feels like to be, you know, in that twist-lock environment and how to be the first person in territory. Uh, but I think what you're doing now, the scale-up walker, is, is pretty interesting. There's, there's a lot of... Um, experiences that we can tap into there which people will benefit from um so look it was great to finally get you ash i'm glad that we've uh, we've shared this time um if there's any closing kind of advice you want to give to anybody listening um you know now's the time and we'll we'll wrap up yeah uh, thanks very much for having me will and yeah i'd love to love to come back and blather i could certainly could certainly chat for for ages with you um the i would you know obviously we've not we've not talked about orca that's not the reason for this so thanks for mentioning orca a couple of times there um, but no, the, for me, the your, your the mental health challenges that happen sneak up on people because it's little by little that builds and builds. And oftentimes people will say, right, I can't cope anymore or feel like they can't cope anymore. And they can't point to one single thing that's happened that's caused it because it's a, it's a load of different things from uh, international conflict all the way through to not being able to do the school run. So reach out to Will or I anytime. Brilliant. I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody listening will have appreciated what you've said as well. And I'll put the links in so people can connect with you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah. You too, buddy. Cheers. Cheers, dude. Bye.